guys especially, tell me what you have done for women. How many women have you employed? How many women have you paid more than guys? How many women did you put into positions of power over men? How many women have you referred to for jobs? How many women have you taught and, and given openly to? got something to confess yes it's true i make mistakes hard to believe but true so a while back i went online and asked for some input on gender inequality and i don't know maybe i worded it the wrong way or was just touching on something that was a little too hot button of a topic but i feel like i got a ton of blowback for it one person who stepped up and engaged with me though was diane gibbs Diane is a designer and teacher with over two decades of experience, and she took the time to engage with me on a human level and help me see beyond just my own experiences. Social media can be a minefield, but when you're honestly looking for answers and someone meets you openly, the conversation becomes ripe with potential. On this episode, Diane and I talk about connecting, a mission to help people feel less alone, and finding grace for others. For those of you guys joining us today, I'm, I have Diane Gibbs on the podcast. And for those of us who don't know who you are, how would you describe what you do? So I kind of wear a lot of hats and do a lot of things. Um, I am a designer. I've been a designer for 20 years and I have my own firm, but I also am an educator. I teach at the college level and I've been doing that for 14 years. Um, and then I also have a podcast and it's called Design Recharge. And it's mainly to give hope to people who are freelancers or lonely designers that are in, um, uh, they're the only designer in a marketing team or the only designer in a corporation or something like that, where they don't really get a lot of um, same kind of people coming together. So that's kind of what I do. Great. It sounds like we have a lot in common already. So you work, you teach, and you do some extracurricular activities such as your podcast. How do you divide up your time? Um, well, I don't have any kids, so I have a little bit extra time where that's concerned. I also really like to read, which I know you do as well. You're uh, an avid learner, so I think I'm always learning as well. Um, I, When I'm teaching, I teach full-time. Uh, I'm tenured at uh, University of South Alabama in Mobile, Alabama. And so I teach whatever the normal kind of range is, I guess. Um, I have, you know, three classes or two classes a semester, and that's six hours a week in class, and then um, six hours out of class, if not more, when I'm grading. And then that I think Design Recharge takes about 10 hours a week, um, maybe a little bit more, some weeks. Mm -hmm. And then just building a community is something else. Um, just being engaged with the community that I'm in so that maybe adds another 10 hours. And then the rest of the time I work. I am very similar to you. I work every day. I love what I do. It doesn't feel like work. So it's okay to do. Mm -hmm. um, I do would like to try to go to see more friends that are in 
that don't live here and go do more outside things. And that's something I'm trying to do with in 2018. That sounds lovely. I have to ask you this question. When you were growing up as, as a young girl, did you think you can kind of make this kind of money and doing the things that you love and having a lot of flexibility in there, helping people too? I really was clueless on mm-hmm. money. Um, I wish I had been better. I learned a lot when I lived in Denver because I got in some debt. Um, my parents, uh, my dad worked and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And I'm super blessed that it was like that. Um, but they also, they, my dad came from nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom was one of 11. So. Wow. It was um it was just different. Like my mom always thought they were poor, but they had electricity. Like they had a bare bulb, not you know it wasn't in a light, you know, a shade or whatever. It didn't have a cover, mm-hmm. and so she thought she was poor. And they had hand me downs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my dad, they didn't have electricity till he was five or running water. Wow. Um, and so it's just different. I mean, I feel like they could have made me do different things work I I mean I worked when I was a junior when I got my license I was a lifeguard um every summer and I know that seems like a really weird segue but I actually think that waiting tables and lifeguarding was great as precursors to being a designer um you're gonna have to explain that (laughs) definitely being a server Mm -hmm. um because you learn how to talk to people, mm-hmm. you learn how to make conversation, and you learn how to watch what they need instead of just asking. So my dad has a thing. I mean, my dad was a terrible tipper before I went before I started waiting tables, and um, he. I remember he when we would go to dinner when I was a kid, if his glass got down like. I don't know, three quarters of the way down, he would be, because it was a lot of ice, you know, they're sweet tea, drinking sweet tea. So there's really not a lot of tea left if you have a glass full of ice and he would really have a hard time. So that was kind of ingrained in me of being a good server means that my, my customers never have to ask for a glass of something like they're, Mm. if they're, I want them to be, there was a guy one time I worked at Outback. I worked at a barbecue restaurant and Outback. And I remember this guy, he was just down in them. And I was like, buddy, I'm just going to bring you two, you know, two at a time. Right. And that way I'm saving myself. But he loved it, you know. Mm. And I remember one time at the barbecue restaurant. I mean, that was my first waiting tables job. And I was in grad school. Um, and this guy left a 50. He left $50 on the table like I'd wow. given him change, and he left $50 and it's snowing, but I wore shorts every because you get hot walking around. Mm-hmm. So I, I ran out with his $50 and I ran to his car and I'm like, hey, Mr. Mr. You left this your change on the table. And he's like, that's for you. And I was like, but it's a 50. And he's like, I know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you. You know, I just no. thought it was a mistake. Right. Um, How much was the bill? Oh, probably $25. Holy cow. Yeah. So that is a very generous tip. It was a super generous tip. Mm. I mean, and I still talk about it. The guy who um, does the CBS um, on the road with Steve, I can't think of what his last name is, but he always does these really touching stories, like always tearjerker stories. And he just 
talks about he I, he thinks everybody has a story and I totally believe that and he would go when there was um, clearer uh, he would take a, a dart on a map and then him and his camera guy would go to that place they would go to get a phone book from that place when there actually was phone books with people's names in them and he would just randomly pick a page point his finger and he'd say we're going to call this person and he I mean he's Steve Hartman I think is his name is um, and I served him at the barbecue restaurant and I just, you know, I didn't know who he was. Um, but he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm on CB. And now I see him all the time and the stories are just terrific. Um, and every time he comes on, I'm like, I served him barbecue to my husband. I tell, but <laughs> it's just, it's just funny. I think the people you meet, I think it's so similar to design. There's so many people that we meet. I think we have such power in what we do because we get to make somebody's dream come true. And I think that a lot of people um, are just, they're in it for a different cause, but really what we do, if we're the manager, if we're the owner, if we're not touching design anymore, maybe like you, you're still, you're making the people who are in your company's dream come true, right? Because they get yeah. to make other people's dream come true. And because I just think about it, if if it's like um, a mom and pop, and they've always wanted to do this, and they're they're finally gonna do this thing, have a canoe shop or something, or or whatever, I just think, wow, you know, maybe that's a great thing about America. Maybe that's just a great thing about where we are in today, because there's the internet. But I just think I just think what's really powerful what we have to do and what we can do as creatives. And I think, you know, if we have something, Chris, me and you want to do something, we have the power. You and I could go, you alone, me alone. I could make a, a logo. I could make a website. I could do all this. But so many people need us to do that or need us to help them with their with their strategy or with their vision. And I guess that's the part of teaching I really like because you're kind of doing the strategy and vision with somebody. Um, and it's more about their life. Um but it's very similar to just how we are as designers and a company because they mm. want to grow, right? Yeah. I love that story. I swear we must be related. I know you're Caucasian. I'm Asian, but... There... Hey, but that's it. I'm Caucasian, right? <laughs> there it is. There's the shared DNA right there. That's right. Because you wore some odd jobs and so have I. I've just... I did it for different reasons than you, but I have my share of stories. And I just love that. Like when you're describing that story about chasing after that that guy who left you that very generous tip. I don't know why in my mind I was envisioning like it's kind of like dusk and it's like a scene from Fargo and you're in your right, like red shorts and white t-shirt or something and you're running after him into the snow and he's like, no, it's for you. And just the camera pulling away as you stand there in the snow kind of realizing how you touch somebody's life and they reciprocate and just being touched by that. Yeah. That's it was so cool. it was past dusk, but it was night. <laughs> well, was, I'm gonna it, envision it the way I want. You know, yeah, this absolutely. beautiful cinematic moment. The golden light is just about to disappear on you, and you're like cool, standing there in the snow with your foggy <laughs> breath. You know. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good good visual for sure. <laughs> okay, let's switch let's switch gears here. Let's talk a little bit about I, I think where we need to go with this conversation if I may. And really, uh, you are one of a handful of people who, who reached out to me in a moment when I was really confused as to what the heck was going on. So let me set the stage and maybe this is kind of where we begin our story together. So I'm, I'm going to be speaking at a conference for women about gender inequality 
And so I do what I normally do is I reach out to my community and my community is really strong and it's not a giant community, but they appreciate what we do. And so I reach out and say, Hey, I need help. Now, hindsight, I did not phrase my question really well. I didn't give a lot of context. I said, I want to talk about gender inequality and why there aren't more women in design. Tell me, I want to learn something like that. And there's some comments that came in and then there started to get some really negative comments coming in. And this is where I'm caught off guard. It's, and I don't want anybody to kind of misunderstand. I like a fight. I do. I really like to fight. I like to argue. I like to debate. I enjoy it. Helps me to think. But this was not a debate that I actually signed up for because I was thinking, you know, I want to become more educated and become sensitive to the issues to see what it is that I can do. And it seemed like for a period in time, every comment that I added to this only made things worse. I was like, mm. what is going on? I, I thought we have a lot in common being a first generation immigrant to America, having to deal with my own bit of racism, gender identity. I had my own identity crisis. So I was like, wow, why am I getting into this fight? And then you reached out on the side and we had this wonderful conversation and you pointed me to this book, Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. I've been, I'm, I'm getting into it now. I know exactly what you wanted me to understand from it. And so I'm, I'm going to share a little bit about that. But before I go there and kind of sidetrack this whole thing, it just opened the door for me to have a conversation with somebody on the other side of, uh, of the States here, just to have mm -hmm. a conversation with somebody and, and connect. And I want to kind of pick up the conversation from there. There was something that you mentioned earlier about this culture of tearing each other apart. Mm. And it's really unhealthy. We have more in common than what we have that makes us different. So maybe I just turn it over to you to speak about that. So what I've thought about this all week, Chris, like I've just, me and wow. I, you've just been on my heart because I've mm. been um, thinking about and why it bothers me so much. I, I mean, my community is much smaller than yours, mm -hmm. but it's amazing. And I honestly have never experienced somebody... Um, tearing me down online. I maybe really? I just ride the fence. Maybe I don't say anything that's really controversial. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and that that really could be um I'm not trying to ride the fence. I just try to tell somebody else's story. And so um or I haven't read it if they have, you know, or I haven't heard it. And you know what? It, it's okay. Like I feel like uh, God's kind of protecting my ears or whatever <laughs> if people are saying something bad. Mm -hmm. But here's what I think. If I don't know you and you don't know me, why is that something? Why is a negative comment means so much more than somebody who does know you? If somebody, if I, if you and I, we just met last week. Right. If, if, I knew you and I'd known you for a year or a month or whatever. And we talked and I said, Hey, you know what, Chris, I think you should have phrased that differently. That would have been a lot different. Um, you probably would have taken that to heart. Or if I said, you know what, Chris, that really hurt my feelings that you did blank. Mm -hmm. But for a stranger to not know where you're coming from or assume where you're coming from and then attack anybody. So it doesn't matter if it's you or if it's somebody like this happens a lot. And I just really, I, I can't get it behind that. Um, I think 
and that's where the whole thing with a, being a family, it, if you're in school and you're learning, um, that family doesn't always agree. They don't. It's not just cheerleaders and balloons and you know puppy dogs. We get dirty. And there's there's grit in there, but that that grit should be from somebody you trust, um, and that's somebody who who knows you. And um, I don't think it can just be like I think we we seek out those bad things sometimes. And Brene really talks about like um, you know if you want to find somebody somebody to validate your feelings if they're negative feelings, you can find it. There will be people if you want, you know, to find out that you're a terrible dad, then you you just have to read some articles about the 10 things a terrible dad does or something. Right. Um, and that's there. But I feel like as a we are already sensitives, you know, um, as designers, we tend to be more empathetic um, or we have to be empathetic. We have to understand that tool that we use every day. Um and I just think, why do we listen to strangers? Why does that matter so much? Mm-hmm. And why does it make such a big impact? And I, I thought about that over and over. And I thought, you know, I was really proud. I, I didn't know you. You just were asking a question. And um, and I didn't even know the tweet. Like, I, you had to tell me what had happened. You mm-hmm. know, all I knew was my friend Jason reached out and he put me in a slew with a whole bunch of other amazing women. And... Um, and then I just said, hey, man, how can I help you? And I was happy to whatever you want to talk about. I was happy to help. And I think I just think that was I just kind of encouraged you to be you. You told me a lot about you growing up. You told me um, you really opened up. You were very vulnerable with me and you were very honest with me. And I felt like we had an amazing conversation. And then then you went back out and I hope that you were encouraged because you do have a great story. And then I, I mean, I had never watched an episode. I had only listened to part of a podcast with you and somebody else. And so I watched some last night and I was like, wow, you know, you've got a, you've amazing. You have incredible energy and that energy. And then the energy that I got last week, um, was was different like it was amazing as well but it was just a different energy and i think you you were coming in at a place of you weren't trying to hurt anybody's feelings you were trying to learn and you kind of got beat up for just asking a question in a way that somebody didn't like and i think you know how we i think that's just sad that we can't be ourselves online can't ask a question and and people just jump to conclusions that it's the wrong thing that somebody's being a um you know a jerk about it instead of being like oh okay like i almost always take it i mean i'm super gullible like if you were like oh diane i have wings i'm like oh okay um really like i i would really doubt it but i would think like there there was something draplin said to you this week i watched that episode Mm -hmm. and you were like really man and he's like no i'm just kidding he's like oh man and you said shame (laughs) on me for believing right and i was like that's me like Mm. we are are a brother from another mother i'm a sister from another mister i seriously like i was right there with you because it was the way he said it and phrased it you were like well maybe he is and i think that that's why when you wrote that tweet you would have never 
ever. You were trying. You were coming at such a. You didn't feel like you knew what the subject was. You wanted to know more, and then it was like. Um, have you seen those people who get the sunglasses or the eyeglasses that make them see they get out of being colorblind? Have you seen those um, things, no. those videos? Oh, my gosh, you got to watch this. Anyway, so these people, colorblind, right? Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's held on the X chromosome. So usually it's men who are colorblind, but there are some women. They put on these glasses. I can't think of what it's called, but I'll look it up and I'll send it to you. Um, I'm writing it down. Um, anyway, the they put on these glasses and then they see color how everybody else has been seeing it. And it's kind of like, um, but their world is a lot different. So it's gray or brown or whatever. Right. Right. But then when they put these glasses on, it opens it up but to be honest. I think we're already looking at it with these other glasses on. And then other people, when we put their glasses on, we see the world their way. Um, it's how you and I are. I think that we have um, uh, we have this just amazing ability to not. Uh, maybe you like to fight, right? Um, not physically, I don't mm -hmm. think, right? No, I don't but like to physically you like, fight. <laughs> right? Um, but you like to uh, debate and talk. But it's just really actually to learn because I don't think that you're trying to hurt anybody or put anybody down. Mm -hmm. I think that you're coming at it from a really uh, a place of investigation and love. Mm -hmm. I just, uh, from the little bit that I know about you. And I, I do want to talk about a couple of things. One is once I found myself, I stopped caring what people think. I'm just going to be me. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach this lesson to my kids. And it's not that I really care what people say. So, and you're totally right. We, we should care more about what, the people close to us, the people who care about us, the people that love us and want to see us succeed, we should care more about what they say. But sometimes in our culture, the overwhelming amount of immediate feedback that you can get online can just drown out everything else. And I, and I think as social creatures, we, we crave validation as much as mm -hmm. I tried to tell you I don't care about it at all. I know there's some part in there for sure probably get that little dopamine hit when somebody mm -hmm. likes something and comments and says thank you and I feel like okay I'm validating something that's going on inside I guess where it really caught me off guard is that when I do say something controversial something that's titillating I do expect blowback and I, I I'm ready to to kind of sharpen knives and let's kind of have an intellectual discussion about it where it totally threw me off was this whole cognitive dissonance that I was experiencing because hmm. in my mind I thought I was one of the good guys mm. and then just to step out like hey guys and then just kind of get stabbed like there's a scene in in Rome where, where Caesar's betrayed and everybody walks in just starts stabbing him hmm. and it's like oh my gosh something is wrong maybe my perception of myself has been all wrong and that's where I was hurt. And I was like thinking, you know, let's just say you go into, and, and, and nobody can tell this from one tweet, but with an open heart, an open mind, and a spirit of generosity and, and a genuine desire to help, and you walk in and you try and help, and then you just get clubbed, that hurts <laughs> even more. So like when you go in for a fight, my hands are up. I'm looking to like finish the fight and walk away. 
this was not one of those things. So it's like, wow, it, it really made me kind of uh, go inward and kind of think about who I was, the decisions I was making. And I have to say, I've come out from the other side of the tunnel, more affirmed as to who I am and what I want to do. But it took a little while because there was a period of 24 hours. So I was like, maybe I am the bad guy. Maybe I am the problem. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Because I'm not getting a lot of support. Because I was like, hey, we have over 200,000 followers on, on YouTube. And not that big on Facebook or on, on Instagram, but something. And nobody's coming out to say anything. The, the people who know me, nothing, huh? So I guess it's true. Mm. Right? So here it is. Now, I'm going to kind of share with you uh, this kind of interesting conversation you and I are having. So I ordered the book immediately. We spoke, I think, on a Saturday. I think mm-hmm. I, right afterwards I ordered it and it arrived on Monday or Tuesday. I start reading the first chapter and you're like, just read the first two chapters, you'll understand. So here's what I got. This is kind of like a weird message in a bottle in the kind of 2018, you know, you send like a little message you throw in the ocean, but it, it mm-hmm. arrives through Amazon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm reading this book and it gets into it. I can already tell because I study story structure all the time. I already knew exactly where this is going. And Brene talks about these wonderful people who have been so influential in her life. And she gets to Maya Angelou mm-hmm. and she starts talking about it. And there's this quote and it really disturbed her because of what it said. It's something, and I'm going to mess this part up. It was about just not belonging to anyone. And that's the time that you are most free. Mm. And she rejected that because the story is her whole childhood. It's been as of an outsider trying to fit in somewhere. And I know that as young people, as people who are still trying to figure out who we are, we need to belong to some kind of tribe so we're not alone because it mm-hmm. is a horrible place to be alone. And then she finally meets her after talking to Oprah and Maya Angelou puts her hand on her hand, hand over hand, and says something to her about like, you should not be moved. <laughs> and just says it like with this kind of conviction and, and the way she describes it. And she's like, ah, now I understand this quote that I so disagreed with. And now I understand it. And I felt like you talking to me through Brene Brown. And ever since I found myself, I always felt like I will not be moved. I don't mm. care what you say. This is my truth. This is who I'm going to be. And then all week, last week, I've been thinking and sharing the story because everybody's like, what happened on Twitter? I'm like, no, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> and I started to think about this. There are a lot of angry people out there hmm. and the, in, in specific to the, the issue of gender inequality, hmm. they have a right to be. I've heard a lot of stories. I met with a woman who was kind enough to drive out to meet me. She drove out from South Pasadena out to Santa Monica just to talk to me, a total stranger, and share with me her story. She talked hmm. about how uh, I was just working uh, at a certain apparel company, late night stocking stuff. Uh, her manager said wholly inappropriate sexual things to her. Mm. And when she complained about it, she got let go. Mm. Then she talked about how when she went to uh, to go to work, how she found out a a younger person got hired after her and got $10,000 more a year than she did. And she went to complain about it and they said they were looking into it. They did nothing about it. She also Mm. told me how her manager, her supervisor has said to her, I can't mentor you because I'm married. Mm. Like, what the F? And so she has story after story after story. And she's angry and Mm. hurt. 
and just like, I'm tired of dealing with this. And I can totally relate and understand to that. And so there's a sensitivity to it that I, I kind of walked into. But then I was thinking about this and, and this is, I, I need your guidance here and your feedback is that I've looked back at the 22 plus years of our company. And I said, depending on when you take a snapshot of that timeline, you can make a lot of assumptions about us, me, or how I behave and think. But like you said, it's like somebody who actually knows us will then know that it's a much deeper and richer story than the one that you can discern mm. from a 144 character tweet. Mm -hmm. I've had a company in the very beginning that was all women. I was the only guy. And the reason why that was is because I've always felt more comfortable being around women. Women don't go in with that stupid, like alpha jock bro mentality. Like, you know, this is the way it's going to be. And the toughest person wins, the loudest mouth person wins. And I've always felt more comfortable around women. We've also had a period in time when the two highest positions were held by women and they were paid the most. And one of the women was a creative director hired after the fact. So some of my guys were a little resentful of that. And I said, grow up. She's the best. And I just keep going on and on and thinking about like, what have I done? The future was founded and run by all minorities. Jose, mm -hmm. my partner, it wasn't called the future at that time. It was called the school. He's Puerto Rican, first generation, I guess, American. I'm a refugee from Vietnam. Our first volunteer and then uh, a, a member of the team was a gay black woman. The next guy is uh, half Jewish and half Colombian. Then we hired another African-American woman. So it's like, I didn't even understand. I, I think it's easy to lump everybody together. And I think I just want to point this out. Matt Damon put out something. He's like, you know, we have to discern the difference between somebody patting you on the butt and then sexual assault and rape. Hmm. There's a lot of steps in between, but I think there are a certain group of people who's just like, it's all bad. You're all evil and F you all and you can't do anything. Hmm. And so that's kind of like where I think I, I, I walked into this kind of naively and that is my fault. And I just like, I want to help. I want to be a part of this thing, but it is, it is brutal. And I, I don't want to be a person who has to mind every single word. And so I think I do what a lot of men do who want to help and be part of this, but they remain silent hmm. because the blowback is much worse than just doing nothing. And that's right. a sad part of the culture. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, one thing I think um, is really cool is that had you not done this, although you did get blowback, you would have never met that woman and never heard her story. And hopefully, I'm pretty sure you encouraged her. I, I'm I'm pretty sure you weren't like, yeah, that you know that sucks. You know that that wasn't the end of the conversation. And she has a story to tell. Clearly, she's had a lot, and she has something to stand up for. But you know, I'm not sure Twitter is the the best place in 140 characters to try and get that. So I'm that is super awesome that she met you. I, I, mm -hmm. I have thought about that. I, I wanted to text you earlier in the week and be like, what day is that? Because <laughs> I just wanted to to um, send you prayers and thoughts, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, just kind of surround you with some strength, I guess. And then I, I just think I think what I got from our conversation last week is that you had been 
um, you had you'd been bullied, you'd been uh, abused in in middle school and and probably high school and um, we didn't really get to high school last mm-hmm. week, but you know elementary school and and I was like, but there's something there that I think touches to the same thing. There is a connection and and I think. Um, as a woman, as just somebody, I mean, I, I think that you clearly do like you've hired. I don't think that you hired somebody because they were black and gay. I don't, I think you hired them because they were the best for the job. And it just happened that that was what their sexual preference was or what their gender was. Um, clearly you, you said you'd get along better or have always kind of gotten felt more in tune and step with, with women. So then that's where you are able to kind of soar, flap your wings. So then we're, we're going to gravitate to those things. And I think that there's just all these people that you would have never, never talked to and never touched had that one, one forty characters not been taken out. Although it was, you feel like a trip a step, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I think that your talk now will be more, um, it'll be richer mm-hmm. because now you've had time. It's kind of like you got the pulp, the orange, you got the whole orange. You didn't just get the pulp free with extra calcium orange juice. You got the orange straight from where it was, you know, raw right off the, off the tree. Mm-hmm. And even though it was maybe a little tart at the beginning, right? A little you bit. still you took time. <laughs> you took time though. And you reached out and you said, Hey, I'd like to I mean, I don't think everybody I mean at um, at some point you were just hurt. You were just beaten up. You were people were coming at you from all around and you were like, This is not what I intended. But did something good come out of it? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. For sure. And I, I'm not one to sit there and regret and kind of, oh, if I only didn't do this or that. So I've, I've learned that when you speak about these things, you have to kind of be very mindful of how you say it and the tone and and have a broader perspective. But I still am in the mindset that I, I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And silence is being part of the problem. And I've had so many conversations. In fact, on Sunday, I almost like lost my voice because I was mm. doing one Skype call after the other. Mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I was talking to everybody that wanted to talk to me and to help me understand certain things. So some of the beautiful things is that I get to meet you. We're doing this podcast together. And I have a string of people coming on the show and so much so that I can't keep it straight anymore. Like, did I email this person already? Or who did I talk to? Because it was coming in fast and furious in a good way. I just mm-hmm. needed to survive the initial period. And, and some... Some people did say, I'm glad you didn't withdraw. So many people just hit ignore block and just walk away. Are you a practicing or aspiring graphic designer? Are you willing to put in the time to improve your drawing skills and gain a deeper understanding of lettering? And are you wanting to learn how to really pay attention, really learn to see, and really understand the connection between the body and lettering? Well, the future has a course you're going to love. With the advanced lettering class, you'll receive access to over two and a half hours of content from legendary professor and designer Niels Lindstrom. 
Niels is a master graphic designer with expertise in hand lettering, decorative type, and custom font design. He has deep experience in identity systems, branding, logo type design, and packaging. He's a letter form instructor of 30 years at Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California. Over the course of this nine-module course, you'll explore topics such as the history and evolution of typography, manipulating type correctly, including elements of weight, slant, and character width, creating formal scripts, and more. And with the iOS mobile app, you can take this course anywhere. So if you want to better your lettering, visit thefuture.com today to learn more about the course. That's thefuture.com, and thanks for listening. If you're listening on iTunes, please write us a review. We'll be forever grateful. Right. But we talked about this last week. We talked about, you said, you know, you had been kind of put in a box when yeah. you were a kid. And yep. you, you even kind of made your own box when you were in an undergrad as a designer. It was the design box. And it was a, be- a box you liked a lot better, mm-hmm. right? But you still had to break out of that box. Well, it, it was those people, I felt, were kind of, some people who didn't know you were putting you in another box like they did when you were in elementary school, right? Yeah. And that was the uncomfortable, but that's, that's the same thing that w- the women are dealing with, right? Yep. It, that's the box. And so maybe this was just what you had to do to learn, to be able to communicate that message in your talk. Absolutely. Like, and that was a really fast way. Like, um, instead of taking, walking all the way down in the Grand Canyon, you took the helicopter down and then you're going to walk the rest of the way up. Right. right. Um, it it was really fast and it was really rough, but you you handled it and and I think you didn't come out unscathed. I mean, I definitely think you you got some scars and you learned something bit. and you maybe will do something <laughs> differently. But I also feel like, man, I I feel like you were able to just kind of like as you as you were walking up in you know with leg cramps and everything you were just like i'm just gonna take another step i'm gonna take another step and you almost lost your voice it was that same um you didn't give up you just you kept going you know and and i think that's kind of the the message to women um and minorities anybody right that you just can't give up because if you give up, then you're not, you can, you might just make a change in one person's life at one company. Um, but you may end up making a bigger impact. Like that woman, she may, she may not know what happened after, right? Um, that person may never make that same, may never make that same kind of a decision. And she will for sure never make that decision. You know, she will never, uh, treat a man or a woman or a minority like the way she was treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so been been thinking a lot about this, and I think, okay, there's been another mass shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Horrible. Mm-hmm. And what we see is a lot of speeches, we see outrage, we see angry, emotional tweets and posts on Facebook, and then what happens? It seems like nothing ever happens. Right, and I've been. I, I think this is a lesson I learned from my dad, which is like, uh, action beats intent. Mm. And I've just been thinking about like all these people and uh, that were, were coming out just just throwing blows. And I, I I took it I think to heart when women said it. I, I was kind of more angry when guys said it, 
Because I'm like, dude, you're just jumping in on this, aren't you? You see a target and you go for it. Mm. But then what I would think now is like, I challenge those guys especially. Tell me what you have done for women. How many women have you employed? Mm -hmm. How many women have you paid more than guys? How many women did you put into positions of power over men? How many women have you referred to for jobs? How many women have you taught and, and given openly to? Because mm-hmm. now, uh, as I could not do as a, as a kid, I can do as an adult. You want to fight? Let's fight. I'm ready to throw down because I'm just tired of making apologies. I'm tired of trying to be your whoever you want me to be. Because at the end of the day, it's like if you hate me, hate me for who you know I, to, I am to be versus the person that you think I am. Then I'm, I'm right. good with that, right? Right. So that's what I just say. It's like, I, I am trying. Like, I have this little video platform. I have an opportunity to use it for something. And and why not shine it on some shining examples of created human beings? And what comes out of this is that there are a lot of women who I try to reach out to. I got, I got hit with a dead end. But now, I have a ton of women to feature on the show that I'm really looking forward to talking to. People like you. But I just think that if we we want to make real change, and I, I'm not here to say like this is what you do because nobody's asking me for my opinion on this, but I, I want to be a part of this. But it can't be that the only way you do it is through a very selective trial mm. that most guys just don't want to sign up for, don't want to deal with because they're just going to keep doing what they do. Meaning that they'll do it quietly supporting women or hiring women or doing whatever it is or minorities. It's, and kind of keeping the door open for everybody. But if we can can be a little bit more welcoming, I think we're going to get a lot more dudes to join the fight. And I think the thing that you shared with me, and I think you shared this with me, was that maybe my job isn't to go in here and do a better talk or to try to like vindicate myself. Maybe maybe my mission in all of this stuff was to, to learn from the experience and go back to other dudes who are in positions of power to say like, hey guys, this is the path that you can take doesn't have to be that painful and we can do something together and amplify this absolutely and i also think you know chris you just need to maybe you haven't said that regularly that you you've hired women or you've had you've had more higher paying women and and maybe you know Maybe you're giving other guys a place that they can say, hey, you know what? I, I, I've done that, too. I, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say I, I've done that also or or I'm going to do that. I'm going to make it as a, a mission to do a minority or a, a, I just feel like, you know, I don't want to be hired because I'm a woman, to be honest. Right. I want to be hired because I'm the best designer for the job or I'm the best teacher for the job or I'm the best whatever. I don't, I, I, I want to, I want, I don't want to be a number for somebody mm-hmm. I want, you know, so I guess, but I also think if, so there's a guy who was hired right after me a year after me and him and I made the same amount, but mm-hmm. if I made less than him, I would have had a problem. You know, is it, is it that women are poor negotiators I don't know. Some women are, some men are, you know, it just some people, some people are, are better, are better negotiators. Some are sucky like me. Um, 
So then how do you how do you teach that? And that's I think part of I think what I would love to see you teach in or in your community or in my community also just having people who have gone through this and then share their story of how they've gotten out of that box or how they've um how how they have to connect with me that I'm in the same place and then they have to say well here's what I've done and here's what and I think you do a great job of the videos that I've watched you do a great job of really kind of giving people the language that they could use. You role play. I mm-hmm. saw you role play. Um, but you give people the language that they could use with. And you're also giving them confidence. Like, hey, I've done this. This is what you can do. It's A lot of it is about confidence. And a lot of when you go to this conference in Edinburgh is about you being the raw you the real you and being able to communicate to these women how they can get out of a box or, or because I think I'm very much like your dad. I think it's about action. Each of us have to take action and it's, it's not, I don't think we need to uh, throw knives. I think that we need to lift each other up and it, when it's in a, a safe trusting group, that's where you can take critique and that's where you can take um, real feedback on what you are saying or what you're doing. Um, and I think it it should mean more coming from those those people. I don't think it just has to be family and friends. I think it could be people within a community that knows you and understands you. Right. So there's this this thing that you're saying that really resonates with me, and and it sounds a little bit like meritocracy where you're hired based on your talent and your skills regardless of gender age sexual preference race all that kind of stuff Mm. and i have to say that i'm a very pragmatic person Mm -hmm. very much so that i'm not going to commit business suicide because that asian person looks just like me and i understand their culture but they're like three times worse than the female gay candidate that's walking in the door. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I do understand that in a lot of industries, it's a good old boys network. Mm. And it's like, oh, I know you're, you know, we grew up together or your cousin Bobby's sister, whatever it is, you know, so <laughs> that you get through that door much faster than the other person. And the opposite is also true that because you're a person of color, that they automatically assume you got in through some kind of affirmative action deal and they're not as good as you and you're lazy or they assign all these kind of attributes to you. Mm-hmm. And that is totally unacceptable, intolerable, in my opinion. Absolutely. Now, one person had reached out and direct tweeted me and said something like, well, tell me how much you pay. Like, tell just disclose all your pay. Right? Mm-hmm. To make sure it's fair. And I, I responded to him, it is not fair. It's totally unfair. I pay the best people the most money, period. Mm-hmm. The women, in many cases, make more than their male counterparts, even though they have less experience. And I'll tell you what I base it on. And it fluctuates. In the time that I need you, if you're the right person, because we're moving into a different space, like if I need an illustrator all of a sudden, because we're getting a lot of illustration work, 
and you just graduated or you never went to school. It doesn't even matter to me. I see your portfolio. I'm like, gosh, we really need this right now because we're spending too much money sending this out. I will hire you. You could be black, Asian, woman. I don't really care. And when you come in the door because of my desperation and you negotiate with me, you can stand to make more money than somebody has been working there for three years. And right. that's just economics because I got to do it. And, and you're right. Some people are much better talking about money. And we, we endeavor to try to teach all people how to know their worth, how to ask for what they're worth without <laughs> the necessary or implied tension and friction that creative people feel when they talk about these kinds of things. Exactly. They need to know their worth and know how to talk about it. But it has to do with starting a conversation about money early. I think you yes. should talk to your kids about it, mm -hmm. money early. Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be till they're in their when they're 12 or when they're 17. I think you talk about money from the time that they're four or five. That so <laughs> they understand the value of what that gum is. That they can have the gum or they can have a lollipop. They can't have both. Right. right? Um, but I but I think for for me, that was something that was not part of my, I think my parents were just like, oh, I just, we, they just wanted, I mean, I didn't get everything. I never had any guest genes. I didn't have any, you know, there were plenty of things I didn't have, but, um, I, I never, when I went to Auburn, there was a girl in my dorm and she asked for shampoo for Christmas. And I remember it just hit me. I'm like, I've never had to ask for shampoo. I've just always had shampoo. Mm-hmm always spoiled you uh, yeah well i think so my husband has the same haircut as you yeah um so he doesn't really need any shampoo either mm -hmm. but i i think about so many things that i was i was so spoiled and and you know i thought i wasn't i i always said um where I grew up i was on the poor side of dunwoody right mm -hmm. it's a suburb outside of atlanta and, but really I had so much, I went to summer camp, you know, for a week, I think every summer from ninth grade on, I went to, I did ski trips. I might not have had a pair of guest jeans ever, but I had pants, I had jeans. I never had to go, I was never cold. I was never hungry mm -hmm. and I always had shampoo and I was always clean, you know? And I mean, I, I feel, there there was just so much and I, I don't know if it's us teaching our kids about culture like I took a bunch of students to Italy you know and one girl was like it's just not like America I'm like it's Italy right <laughs> like exactly like that's right like did you not get the whole 14 hour plane ride you know we're not in America and I guess it's just about everything's not about you. Everything's not about me. Everything is not about, we got to be sensitive to other people. And I think the thing with the mass shooting, I really don't know a ton about this kid, but I know, like, I guess his parents died and then he was adopted by some other people and they died. So th there was, there was lack. He had lack in his life, right? He, mm -hmm. but that's where, I mean, there's this one kid, uh, some video I saw on Facebook was some kid goes and eats with kids um, at lunch. That's what his mission is. He's mm -hmm. like the 
Have you ever seen this video, Chris? I know which one you're talking about. I don't know if I can recall the details of it, but I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I never had to sit alone. I was super thankful. I was really friendly. I I could be, I can talk to a wall and there is my best friend probably, but I never had that feeling of so alone in school, mm -hmm. but um, my best friend's daughter eats alone every day and it just kills me. And I'm just like, I feel like she needs that guy. She needs that guy at her high school to come sit with her at lunch, you know? And so that whole high school, he goes around and now other people are part of that group and they all know they don't, their mission is to not have anybody eat alone. And I'm like, what's our mission as designers? Really? Like, Okay, so we're helping people, helping clients, right? But then what is our mission with the rest of everything? How are, what are we doing for each other? And I'm like, man, I want my life to be about something better. Not, not because I want a legacy. I just want other people to not feel alone. And I don't I like want, that. I don't want, I, so I always feel like, what, so I'm here in this small town in Alabama, okay? And when I started my podcast, it was because I had seen there was this thing online network called Spreecast at the time. And I'd kind of got onto it in the summer or in May or April or something. And I was like, you know, maybe I could do this for designers. I didn't have a lot of time. I was teaching and then I was working. And so I didn't have a lot of time to connect. There was no AIGA where I was. I didn't have time. I lived way out in the boonies. So I like passed cotton fields and soybeans and all kinds of beautiful. I love it. I would never want to live anywhere else. I love where it is, but, but it takes me an hour to get all the way downtown to downtown mobile. So I was like, I can't come for, you know, go get something to drink or eat after work. Like I, I want to go home, you know? Um, and so I was like, well, I'm going to make something where there are other people probably like me that need to connect or learn, right? We want to learn and connect. And to be honest, I've made some awesome friends. My husband says, he makes fun of me. He's like, oh, are you going to hang out with your internet friends again today, Diane? And I'm like, <laughs> I am. But I'm so thankful for the internet. I mean, it is, I'm so thankful because it de definitely doesn't make me feel alone. So I feel like on Wednesdays when my podcast is, I never eat alone. Mm. And so by making this, those people, anybody who's alone at work, they don't have to eat alone on Wednesdays because we do it together, right? So mm -hmm. I actually do it at lunchtime, Pacific time. It's 1130 Eastern time. It's a really late lunch for them. It's 230, but they can come and eat lunch. And so it's just like that kid in high school that does this because I feel like there are designers who feel alone. So my friend Kim and I, the one who says she, we're sister from another mister, mm -hmm. she and I were talking and I was like, oh, I never get a Christmas card out, Chris. I mean, I never, I have not gotten, I I have all these ideas and then I run out of time. Mm. I don't have time. So I'm like, okay, well, last year I made this like love card. And so I sent it to clients. I send it to friends at um, maybe one last year, maybe it was the year before last year, but it was... Um, Anyway, so I sent it during February. So then I was like, yeah, I really want to do something. I really listened to that gut. I feel like that's God calling me to do something. So I listened to that. And uh, I said, okay, so me and Kim were talking. And I said, I think we should do something. Claim February for love on designers. Absolutely nothing for me. I don't make a penny off a of design recharge. So, and you said you'd help me maybe <laughs> change that. I'm going to hold you to that, buddy. <laughs> um, but. 
so on so this um uh month i've claimed it i'm like okay even if i just love on six people and maybe if those six people love on six people i think that that is what we need to do we I don't, I don't want to, I don't think there will ever be a month like hate on designer month. Mm -hmm. Like that's never, it should never be a thing in anything. Um, I just, I feel very passionate. I think there's, you know, people are looking for validation and I want to look at their, their feed, their Instagram feed and just say, Hey, you know what? I see something because aren't, aren't we all wanting someone to see that there's something in us, that there's something and it doesn't matter if you're a minority or if you're a, a man, woman, it doesn't matter. To me, it's just we're all searching for somebody to be like, hey, I like that. Right. You know, and and I think when we're together, it's like we're we're our own family, right? Designers are our own family. And there's going to be kids who just have a bad attitude. And so how can we love that bad attitude kid? We don't just kick them out. We ha how do we love them? Like that, the woman that you met with, you could have just ignored, right? Or you could have shot back something, but you didn't. You actually loved on her. You went to lunch or, or whatever, coffee, something, mm -hmm. you met her, and you tried to understand. And I think that's the first step of, of love, right? Mm. Thanks for listening to this first episode with Diane Gibbs. We have another one coming up where Diane and I will be talking more about business, podcasting, and reaching your audience. Stay tuned. Features hosted by me, Chris Doe. Our show is edited by Samuel Burns with an assist from Stuart Schuster. Big thanks to Adam Sanborn for composing our theme song. To subscribe to the Future Podcast, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. While you're there, do us a solid and leave us a review. Your comments will help guide future programming, and hey, it'll help us with our rankings. Can't get enough content? You're in luck. We have over 500 episodes on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash thefutureishere. Make sure you don't miss out on upcoming events, workshops, live broadcasts, and webinars by signing up for our newsletter. Go to our site, thefuture.com, and click on the email sign-up button. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Future Is Here. Thanks for listening. See you on the next episode.